Welcome to the Bohemian Pursuit Podcast, set to unleash the creative in you. With your host, Mickey, aka Mix of the Comic, and Epi. Alright, welcome to another episode of Bohemian Pursuits. And today we have with us a very interesting guest. His name's Partha Varnashi, who is also known as Coach Partha. He's an aquatics educator and a molecular biologist. Thank you for being on the show, Partha. Hey, thanks guys. Thanks for having me here. Um, nice to have you on, buddy. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so, how, how are you doing? Doing well. Had a long day today. Uh, but, uh, doing really well, actually. Yep. You said that you had uh, you had like a session today at the farm. You. Yeah, today um, we had like a, two water sessions. Uh, we just go and jump into the water. Basically, just have fun. Uh, but it involves some intense stuff. Uh, fun, basically. Wait, uh, fun is fun is part of the training routine. It has to be if you want to learn something, uh, like to the top. You need to stay interested in it. Um, more the interest you have, uh, higher the achievements you're gonna get. So yeah, it has to be fun, right? If it's not fun, you wouldn't be doing Bohemian. Yeah, right? that's that's not that's not the schooling that I that I got. <laughs> For us, if, if you weren't struggling, you were doing something wrong. <laughs> if you weren't stressed about your life. <laughs> But you gotta pick the right one. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're you're coming to us live from uh, a village near Putur, right? Mm-hmm. And right? It's this from 20, your farm. Yeah, twenty kilometers south of uh, south uh, west of Putur. Uh, it's closer to Kasargod actually, but it's in Karnataka. It's in the border of it's a border town of Karnataka. Yeah, so so I've heard you say uh, Putur has really good genes, uh, like. Really, like why? I mean, swim can you explain that a little bit? It's yeah, just, I, would, like, I wouldn't say swim genes. Swim genes would be more of Mangalorean uh, guys, but athletes. Putra has some produced some Olympians and um, good good uh, athletes throughout the history. I'm not saying that uh, it's it's like a mecca of sports or something, but uh, it's just had like good decent uh, performers. Why are they doing something different and in in Putur? Are they eating uh, I, different um, kind of flour? <laughs> I, yeah, I believe in uh, you are what you eat. Our body parts are made up from the food that we eat, and these guys have some uh, very good uh, um, food eating habits, and uh, you know, rich in protein, uh, good carbohydrates, low glycemic index stuff, a um, lot of varieties. They get fish, so um, yeah. Culturally, culturally, they've had a good diet, is it? I mean, like a, a diet that's high in protein, less low in carbs. They did. Yeah, they did. And all of the families were farmers who were producing a lot of uh, um, crops here from ages, from generations. So they've worked hard. And the, the local sports are pretty intense. Like the art form of Yakshagana is so intense. I remember I remember doing Yakshagana. It goes off for, um, it's an art form which goes for like what, three hours a storyline and you got dance for three hours and that's one of the sports and the other one is um, Kambala. Kambala is uh, the racing with the buffalo and uh, my, um, paddy fields. You know, oh. that guy, some guy broke a 100 meter record in 110 meters or something like that but he's obviously being pulled by uh, the, the bulls but it's not easy to run, you know, go run after and keep up with the bulls. Have you, have you tried running play. with the bulls? I haven't done that though. I've almost gotten under a bull though. A couple of <laughs> oh, please <laughs> do tell how. It's <laughs> like about, village accidents. I, I went to like four years old. A long time ago, my friend. It was thirty-two years ago. Oh, what, what happened? Were you were you trying to wrestle a bull in the farm? Uh, no, nah, no. Nah. It was um, 
So it was uh, the Kambala, right? Kambala is uh, the bull race. And I was at the finishing end. And I wanted the best vantage point, which is like dead the head of the coming in. So they're running and then the, the whole crowd is moving in to see the bull race. And I was four years old and I had the height advantage because I could go in between the legs. It's super crowd. Like everyone wants to watch it. I snooped through it and uh, like go went straight into the uh, incoming path of the bulls so that I have the best view for the race. You had the <laughs> best view from underneath, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Little did, did I know that the train is heading straight to me. <laughs> oh, shit. And uh, and you were fine. It just went over you. It just didn't. I mean, I rolled over. I remember rolling over and just crying like so hard and people just gathering around me and my parents coming and picking me up. But I rolled. I remember rolling. But with that adrenaline, uh, I don't think I, I hurt. I felt the hurt, hurt that that time. But later, maybe. I don't remember. I uh, survived. Mm. I'm here. Sounds sounds like a repressed memory that you need to get past. <laughs> maybe, maybe once uh, you actually do the do the race. So. I'm I'm pretty sure he uses swimming to get over all of that stuff. Actually, I swim a lot less. Uh, really? My friends, people who are really close to me and spend a lot of time with me know that I hardly swim. Um, I only swim when there is racing, and then just like if I had if I fall into the water, I swim out. <laughs> like like survival at this point <laughs> no i can swim well but not surviving part yeah yeah, yeah. Like that, I'm, I'm why like, why is that why do you find yourself swimming less it's like um look there is i understand swimming quite well so how to move in the water so i can swim fast any day but it's about that's one thing that's uh, something you have and doesn't go the other thing is your aerobic endurance. Um, so when you do aerobic endurance, uh, it's a trade-off. Okay, so you guys athletes, you know the two types of muscles, right? One is the fast twitch, one is your slow twitch. Slow twitch lasts longer because it has uh, red blood cells going through it. Aerobic um, stuff is happening around. And then the white twitch is, the fast twitch is white muscle fibers, which is more of stored energy. You have to either pick one when you're training. So I like to do uh, most of the stuff which um, are intense and that allows me to do like some few things that I want to do, uh, which I'm like where I have fun. Um, it's more interesting to me. So if I go um, just do a lot of aerobic stuff, uh, then I may not have that um, fast twitch muscle um, gathering, you know, like I, I'm, I'm trading off, you know what I mean? I mean that's I'm just lazy. That's why I'm not swimming. <laughs> so so what what do these what do the fast twitch and the slow twitch muscles do for you? Like what is the so fast twitch? It doesn't use your um, the glycogen coming from your blood, but it has stored glycogen and it um, it releases ATP. You know ATP is the fuel, right? Um, so the it releases that fuel in a very short reaction. It's an ineffective reaction, uh, but it releases a whole bunch for you and uh, quickly so that you can do full power like jumps or <clears throat> sprints, like 10 second sprints, like maximum burst. Um, whereas the other one is uh, like they're collecting, they're gathering the um, glycogen from the blood, from the food what we eat. So it's a slow, like you got to wait, like the shopping cart will keep moving, right? The blood keeps taking these uh, amino acids or um, glycogens. So that's picked up and then that's broken down into the energy what we need. So the ones, the slow twitch is for longer uh, duration of medium to high performance. 
<clears throat> so long distance runners, marathon runners, cyclists, long distance cyclists, long distance swimmers, they all have recruit that muscles more. Uh, it's always a trade-off. How much of this is a, a factor of what you eat? <clears throat> I think it's more what to do, what you do, because both need... So 70% of body composition or 65% is water, okay? So that's why we need water so much, okay? The most important fuel is air, which we just don't think of, okay? So that's a fuel. We breathe in and breathe out. It's food, okay? Um, and then you have water. And then we have proteins, um, um, which are amino acids. And then we have uh, carbohydrates, which is for energy, and then fat for some metabolism and stuff. And then uh, you have your vitamins and stuff, which is required in a very small dose. So in protein, you need to have about 30%, they say, or 20%, at least 25% uh, part of your food that are made up of amino that, acids. That already throws uh, veganism out of the, out of the no, picture. No, dude, I'm going to blow your mind here. So plant, is plant protein is the best. Okay. Here's the thing. Our body is built up of cells, right? Yeah. The cells make up um, tissues. Tissues make up organs. Organs make us up. Okay. So we just like, because we have a conscience, we all think that, hey, we are one. No, we are like made up of a lot of parts. Okay. We all come together to work every day nonstop to, for us to function. If something goes wrong, we are, we are in a hospital or something. Right. Uh, <clears throat> to make these up and they're dying and repairing and they're replacing. So for example, the skin cell is replaced as soon as 35 days. Yeah. And the, when you make a cut, like 35 days, it's full thing. If you, As long as you send the good food inside. Okay, these are the amino acids. There are 21 different types. Engineers, right? To make a car, you need different parts. Where do you get these parts from? Right now, let's say Amazon is delivering it to your house. Okay, so that Amazon is the bloodstream. You know what I mean? So um, you eat the food, you digest in your mouth and then your gut. And then by the time it goes to your intestine, it, it's broken down into molecular forms of these amino acids. They're like bricks. Okay, there are twenty-one bricks, um, which is like, for example, the your um, skin. No, it needs lysine. Like mm-hmm. lysine is one of the major components, and then seventy percent water, and then the other guys are there also. So if you when you eat stuff, uh, it has the good source of these amino acids, and then you're building a nice structure, nice machine, which will help you perform whatever you want to do. Like building a racing car. Now I'll ask you a question. Okay, so you spoke about veganism. Okay, now I'll tell you why there are some vegan superstars. Now, when you um, see these amino acids as a component, okay, twenty-one different types. Okay, so these twenty-one different types makes your our muscles or in real life, like consider you building a Formula One car. Okay, um, and then these are coming are only made in plants. Animals cannot synthesize amino acids. It's okay. only happening because of that, during photosynthesis and all that, these amino acids are created as a part of uh, you know, how the plants give us food, the first source of food. That's eaten by an animal. When, it's eat, when eat, it eats, it's a chicken eats it. It's a um, grain. And it gets digested and the protein blocks that are separated in the gut and it goes into the bloodstream and it goes to every single part of the body where the DNA, which is the architect of our body, and the RNA comes out, like the mRNA vaccine, what we're using, it picks up these amino acids like a mason or a carpenter and puts it out to make new forms of cells and uh, tissues and organs. This is re- happening nonstop in our body. This is the only process which is happening in our body. But that, if you don't send um, um, good food inside, these guys are not making your cells with good items. Bad parts are coming in. That's why we're having cancer. That's why we're having... Uh, not living like it's super 
I mean, it's not super strong. It's normal, I think. I think you'll leave. Yeah, it. yeah. I've, I've always maintained that like sugar and carbohydrates are terrible for. Uh, no, carbohydrates are required. Processed, processed carbohydrates are bad. Carbohydrates are very essential, and these guys um, in here, the amount of carbohydrate loading is insane. Like I can like do a PhD on this uh, study. The the carbohydrate intake of rice eaters, uh, but the, the right source is important. Okay, so sugar is the easiest thing to break down. Next is carbs, and then after that are fats. Yeah. Right. So like, if you um, if you gave your body all three of them, it would go through the sugar and uh, the carbs and the the fats that it didn't need, it would just convert into fats and store it. Absolutely. If yeah. you took away the sugar, yeah. you would uh, it's it becomes harder for the body to get energy from the carbs, yeah, but but. That's keto. That's 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 basically your body going into a keto state, right? True. Uh, so in ketosis, what happens? There is something called um, autophagy happening, okay? Which means your body is salvaging for molecules from other um, fat cells. So it's killing it, each other. So the strong guys. So say, you <laughs> the very shitty way of saying it. <laughs> you're going. Uh, you have an army, right? But your army is dwindling. One guy is like lost his leg, and you have to carry him, and then you can't fight. Right, he becomes a dead weight. I so throw him away, bro. Throw him away. He's not dead weight. <laughs> take his ammo and then fight on. So it's uh, that's uh, that's the whole process in a in a in a nasty way to tell. But that's uh, that's what happens in ketosis. Like I'm um, keto um, diet. Ketosis happens. Autophagy happens. Um, it's called. Uh, um, what's it called? I forgot the word. Basically, one cell eating another cell. A strong. Yeah, autophagy is the death of a cell, right? Yeah. 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 It's by killing. By, yeah. These guys take this as food. So, so uh, that in in keto, your own cell, your own body will eat uh, sugar, or it will eat the as a source of energy, as a uh, carbohydrates as a source of energy. It it in ketosis in uh, ketogenic diet, um, your body will your body parts will eat your body parts. <laughs> yeah. It's a so dog eat dog it. world. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it eats up the, uh, the the fats. Fat cells are the one which doesn't have any function. So yeah, because in keto, you don't have any... You, it's it's low carbs. It's low carbs and high fat. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, where does protein figure into all of that? So, proteins are very different type of molecules. Uh, they're all like, you know, nitrogen and carbon-based molecules. There are certain shapes, right? So, one... they Proteins belong to a complete different type of... Um, uh, molecules which are very stable molecules it, it's structural molecules right so they are like this the stone in your house which is there for forever right if you're like having a laterite stone or a other stone uh, material building so same with the proteins whereas the carbohydrates they involve in reactions they are the parts molecules which are kind of volatile and they become a part of reaction one links to another link then other guy become another guy while doing that process the energy is released Right, so these two atoms interact with each other. It's called fission. Sometimes the energy is released during fission, and then sometimes there is two separating, which is uh, sorry, separating is fission, and uh, coming together is fusion. So both releases energy. So in our body, energy is released when an adenosine triphosphate, which is three molecule groups, which is kind of volatile, it involves in a reaction, and then it breaks up uh, the one phosphate group. So it becomes adenosine diphosphate from tri to di. Uh, I mean, from three to two. So the, when the 
the one third guy who's coming out, when he comes out, he comes out with an energy out, like energy is expelled. That energy is used for the twitching of all kind of our muscles, the muscles in our body. We have different types of muscles, right? Voluntary, involuntary. Um, and then the, the, the heart thing is always there, automatic. So for all that energy is required, and this energy comes from some, there are three types of reactions. Uh, one is the very fast reaction, but it's very inefficient which produces, um, makes one glycogen into two ATPs or something. The other one's aerobic, which is a longer reaction, slower reaction, but much more efficient than the first one. It produces some 20, between 15 to 22 ATPs. Um, again, that's like, please check for facts, but I'm just... <laughs> no, but all of this, all of this gets translated to the swimmers, is it? It does. I mean, it's, uh, then once you know the concept, then you're tweaking it, no? And then the third one, ketosis, what you mentioned, is every fat cell is broken down is into 122 ATPs. Where is two and where is 102? Like it's like one Hayabusa giving six kilometer mileage, the other uh, CT thousand giving thousand kilometer mileage. Right? It's like mm. that. So what's better for a for a swimmer, for a for an Olympic swimmer, which one's better? Depends what your event is. If it's 1500, it's uh, more towards keto side. But like no swimmer has gone keto size because it's a oh, lot so of like, if it's a drag race or yeah. if it's uh <laughs> stuff in uh, swimming as of now uh, because it's high intensity you're like you're literally doing a muscle up every time no you're pushing your arm up and you're pulling the entire body forward forward it's like pull-ups all the time how, how did how did you get into swimming uh, my dad used to swim in a pond right at the edge it was beautiful back in the days uh, he would um, carry me in his shoulders for two years um, and I would just sit over there and watch him swim. He didn't have like a great technique. He still doesn't, but uh, <laughs> he's super, super nice and swim, does that every day and took me uh, for two years. And one day he just uh, took me in the middle and threw me in. I hated swimming when I was young. Normal but Indian parents. Yeah. <laughs> Watching him. Like every time he swims, he would just like stare at me whether I'm staring back at him. Like he's observing if I'm seeing, uh, if I'm seeing him swim. So, yeah. That's how I go to swim. What do you learn to swim in? Like a pond, a river? Yeah, in a pond. In our farm pond. Irrigation pond. Okay. Oh, my mom threw me in the pool. Yeah, <laughs> I had to grab way. legs. She just that's threw me in the swimming way. pool. That's not the way. That's not the way. <laughs> no, but my dad was there and uh, and, and then he, he taught me how to swim. And he pulled me out. I lived. I'm alive. But yeah, we, we, we city boys, we learned from little blue pools. pools. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so who who is Coach Partha? Take us through your uh, aquatics educator. I want to know um, what got you into swimming. Oh man, like the 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 story was really long. I think I don't think I've publicly spoken about it, but I feel like doing it right now. I first time on Bohemian Pursuits. You heard it here first. <laughs> school. I was uh, I was going to school in here only the small village, and then um, I. It was kind of a medium. Um, it was absolutely no English at all, like not even ABCD, because it's like old school school, but it's a beautiful school. The science was amazing in Canada only. Uh, but then I went to an English school, English medium school, where I didn't understand much English at all. I was too late. I was seventh by the time I was introduced to. And I was probably like, I had dyslexic and stuff or had ADHD and stuff. I don't know what I had. Nobody's diagnosing me for dyslexia out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I basically, I didn't like sitting in the classroom. Like, you know, that was the issue, I think. Um, I wasn't doing great in 
um, studies, but I was doing really well in swimming because there was a pond in that school. It was a residential school. We were swimming as well. Uh, and then uh, one day, uh, marks came. I didn't really score well, man. I, I don't even like, uh, don't even ask me how much it was. So, <laughs> so the guy started te- teasing me that, hey, I, uh, you know, you're not going to become an engineer or a doctor, so you better become a swim coach. Okay. And then I was thinking about it. But like from the childhood, my um, love was uh, to design airplanes, like anything which flies in the, in the air. And then I realized uh, I, a coach is actually doing, especially a stroke mechanics coach. Uh, because the science behind swimming is exactly the science behind uh, aeroplane flying. It's okay, how? So, like you said, I'm an aquatic educator. No, I present. I'm a presenter for Oswell, which is a teacher training program, a coaches training program. Um, so, the, the in the science part, we talk about this lift force. We show the wing of an aeroplane and then we compare it to the palm. Where um, when you do the sculling part, the water moves slowly on uh, on the bottom and fast on the top which creates a pressure difference, which pushes the body forward. Um, so this, uh, the idea of that, and I was watching Formula One and stuff, and I could like compare that into, like make a human a machine, like tell that machine how to go fast. Um, so I wanted to be a coach. And as uh, I was lucky because I went to Australia in 2006 for my master's. And we had to get a part-time job. And I got a job. I did my awesome course in 2007. Right now I'm presenter of it. Um, and then I got a job in a state swim in Unleak, South Australia. It's a fun job. Um, stuck to it for six years there. Uh, I even quit my science job halfway through. And uh, um, I was, yeah, I was doing Shit. You, you traveled to Australia to study. You got a part-time job and then you made that your full-time scene. Yeah, but it was, it, it was a deal, man. Like it was life. I didn't. I didn't know about what to think of future. But at that moment, the oh, life. Was it, did your part-time job start to pay more than your full-time job? Was that um, it? No, it was actually like a ten thousand dollar pay cut per year. But it was just so much fun that I could. Uh, I couldn't say no. And like I had something in my mind. Um, so like when you travel, I was fortunate to travel a bit, like around like not many about ten, fifteen countries. I think sixteen countries. But meet with the locals there and everybody you meet, the minute you say um, you're in India, they're saying, hey, snake charmer or uh, <laughs> like make a... Oh, thank you. I No, no, no. I get what you mean. <laughs> but either that or Taj Mahal. Like <laughs> Taj Mahal or the nasty guys say... Thank like, you. Come again. From yeah, that, yeah. That, that. I'm like... That shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can beat that, right? No, so um, yeah, and then realized if we can have an Olympic swimmer, like if you see which is the most watched sports in the world, not in India, in India it's cricket. But if you go to other countries, it's swimming is one of the most. That's why swimming has the highest number of medals in uh, uh, this thing, and it's. It's celebrated. It's there in the newspaper. Even in a cricket-watching uh, world, there is news about swimming, right? Um, so if you can produce an Olympian or a world record holder or something like that, then you know, we can relate ourselves better. Like, you know, we can carry ourselves. And it, it's it's wonderful to travel. You get to learn so much. 
and it it's again how open the people become with you you know how much they want to associate with you uh, of course we have yoga always uh, thank you <laughs> but uh, this uh, that's the idea that was the idea um so I wanted to um learn a lot about coaching there but i learned very different things there i actually learned more about high performance after coming to india uh, but uh, the basics which is most important for india india has some really good uh, high performance coaches uh, both are in olympics right now uh, nihal amin is a in your opinion what does australia do differently from india it's long term athlete develop, development um so if you want to plan a champion it's can you repeat a, that what what it's a it's a long term athlete development okay okay right yes, you know how we are all like send making good doctors good scientists good engineers in india why because our education system is not that there's lkg there is um uh, ukg and then then the kindergarten and then your uh, primary and then your secondary and then your uh, pre college and then you get to professional and then masters and then phd right like that's mm-hmm. long term of developing you putting it essentially the ladder yeah <laughs> yeah so india didn't have, didn't have that australia has that so it has learned to swim it's at it has baby stuff and then it has learned to swim which spans for about 6 years and then there is um swim to train which is just heading into competitive world uh then there is train to train understanding the the science behind it and uh, replicating the sets which is required you to do the hard work part and then there is um swim to race okay so swim to race is when you actually become like a um proper racer amateur racer in your age group and then finally there is uh, the elite athlete programs where you are pro athlete like you get a job um in like some I'm neither a government service or a big company but all you do is your job as a professional athlete so we have swimmers who are in the navy who are in um army police um railways income tax but they're actually they had 365 days leave not 365 days they have to go now and then sometimes but they have paid holiday for um training and that's their job so they're pro athletes so you have to reach there you can't just turn up and say hey i want to be i mean somebody could i'm not saying nobody yeah answer. and they they compete they have competitions within uh, these different departments to see yeah yeah it's actually a wonderful system like it's it wouldn't take even that much to change india say we have a great system we have population on our side one thing you're lacking is the food um because not because our old food uh, was was wasn't bad it was fantastic it's just the new system has a uh, um that effect so it's going to be difficult to get champions out of cities i think it will have to come from the villages Uh, where the food is still original back and then we uh, we still need to use science the nutrition is a very important part where we combine the old um, knowledge and the new sorry new knowledge and the old um, traditional traditions which are um proven you know so that's uh, i think if we do that we can produce how did you how did you manage like being a molecular biologist and working at the swim uh... at the swim institute oh my god my days would start at uh, 3:50 in the morning every day i used okay yeah so like we i used to do this open of the pool um that was between the four so i had to clean the pool by 5 a.m. before it opens ah so you start cleaning out the pool oh yeah i mean like so you need 20 so this is how you don't go straight in and become a like an instructor in everything right so when i joined uh, the swim school I had just 2 hours work every week. I needed 20 hours to survive. 
to make enough money to live there, pay my rent and uh, food and stuff. Um, so I asked him, the manager, like, I want more work. And he said, hey, there is a hygiene officer. You want to take it? I'm like, yeah, I want to be an officer for sure. Uh, <laughs> and then I took it. The next day I come and the guys are instructing me to clean all the toilets, um, the wash basins, the cubicles and everything. We keep it ready by, uh, and I'm the only guy, one guy who has to clean the entire pool, hose it out. Yeah, it was, it was good. As what, like and, an Olympic size pool? No, luckily it was just a 20 by 10. So I did that for a year and then um, I kept still kept one um, one week a day of that thing because that just helped me get ready for the surf session because it's just like waking up early is what you can do to get a surf in Australia. Um, otherwise, there are too many people coming in. Uh, the waves uh, go off, the, the tide picks up and stuff. So, oh, so you surf as well? Do you surf anywhere in India? Yeah, um, we have uh, surf clubs in Mangalore that we've uh, started, that couple, um, and uh, yeah, we surf. Not not a pro surfer, but we surf for fun. Surf for fun. Well, like you, so you've uh, you've trained over two hundred and ten swim teachers across India, yeah. Um, about three hundred, I think, plus three hundred. No, plus, yeah, brilliant. And uh, was... so, like, what methodologies have you? Uh, introduced to to these coaches so um swim are, instructors or swim coaches like how, swim how instructors very important so in the long-term athlete development what we are missing is the learn to swim in india so everybody wants to do like a summer camp and join the uh, squad program straight away it shouldn't be like that the learn to swim is the slowest part it has to be done over four years not uh, four weeks you know um, so we uh, train teachers for this one, like the instructors for a long-term development, slow step-by-step lesson planning and delivering of it. So there's an um, organization called OSWIM, which is a Aquatic Educator Council of Australia. It's a arm's length government company. Um, and they also tra- go around the world and they, um, with a company called Swimming Matters, uh, we got it to India. And I've been the presenter for it along with Nishal Millet now. She's also a presenter. So we uh, keep training um, coaches into becoming an instructor. Yeah, and uh, my f- my first class, uh, my first swimming class was with Nisha Millet. Uh, oh, yeah, but it wasn't, I mean, it, it sounds, it, it was like a conventional class that you, that you're, I mean, that you were talking about earlier, like you were talking about earlier, where yeah. it was just a summer camp. And then uh, the next step is, you know what, you're ready to start competing in events now. Go for it. Yeah. Do your 100 meter. I think it's changed now. Yeah. I think she's doing differently now. She has different levels uh, going right now. So it's now it's how it should be, I think. Um, so you have to first get familiarized with the water. Water is a new environment, right? Your weight is less. Your drag is more over there. You can float. You're, uh, you're more uh, vertical aligned than a horizontal um, and then you can you need to understand um, how you know like you're lying on the bed when you're so relaxed, um, a body kind of connects together, and you need to use you know using the core and all that. So that is the understanding of the water. Okay, it's called water familiarization. So in uh, this type of me- uh, teaching, there is one chapter called water familiarization. So that becomes the first priority in your uh, first few lessons. So ninety percent of your time spent nobody will ask you to put your head down for on the first day they will just ask you to go around 
just walk around, feel the water. When you clear that, you know, the learning loop needs to happen, which is information, um, then uh, perception, then translation, performance, and then the feedback by the coach and or the instructor. And then he moves to the next skill. When that one skill is, you have one skill and then going to the next skill is easy. So jumping three steps is very difficult. That's why we get stuck and we never learn the right way. But if you learn, you go by big by break, you can you can climb uh, Mount Everest, my friends. So, so the, the, it's like a curriculum in that sense. It's a curriculum, yeah. It's a it's a. I mean, that course is a curriculum designer. It will allow it will make empower the instructor to make their own lessons. But we have written some uh, lesson plans also, like proper um, the different stages. Uh, there is organize. Um, sorry, swim center called Netakalap Aquatic Center in Bangalore. We uh, have done a program over there and we run the same program, similar program here before them uh, over there. We were doing it in this village and uh, yeah, it works. And a lot of uh, schools are doing erupting it, not one or two. What has Varanashi, uh, Varanashi Farms done for the swim scene in India? How does it play, in, how does it play a role? Uh, so, yeah, obviously, you're either your home so your heart is where your home is or your home is where your heart is how do you say it That's something like that. so yeah I didn't want to come back from Australia man. I had a, I had a life there I had a um, like a team I, I used to go do you know, tree planting parties we used to do food not bombs I was hanging out with the leading permaculturists over there um, also I was a bit of a like adventure guy I like go outdoors and stuff um, had a we used to do track days and 600cc bikes and stuff. It was a crazy time, but I didn't want to come back. But when I decided to come back, um, I wanted to bring some part of it back with me. Um, and then that's how it started. The year I came back, I took a pool on lease from Puttur. I was fortunate uh, the officer who was running uh, Puttur, uh, assistant commissioner, he, was, he, he saw it in us uh, that we can do something. And um, then he got the pool out on lease and one thing led to another. Four years later, we had uh, um, international gold medalist, double gold medalist, uh, the national records that year. Um, so, and then, yeah. That's, that's crazy. So was this somebody from scratch or was this, did this person have some sort of prior? He was swimming, but he was not doing comparative as well. So when I came... And started this. Uh, this is a government uh, pool. Uh, a, it's a government pool, but it's on lease. Um, I've got it on lease since the last eight years. Okay. Last two years has been painful. Um, oh, I can imagine it's all closed down, right? Yeah, but uh, still we're running it. Um, so then we started the lesson plan. So he was he was out there, competitive, but he was not qualifying to the state meets. And then he started qualifying for the state meet and then the nationals straight after. And then the third year he won nationals. The second year he won nationals. Third year he won the internationals as well from 2012 to 15. 2016 he won the international event. Yeah. So then a lot of people started coming. And uh, I trained people for the world championship as well. 2019 uh, world championship. Um, but uh, him, he had a lot of experience before. We had two few things, and it worked really well. Uh, but yeah, now we have a big thing. I mean, for um, I mean, you've trained a uh, Olympic swimmer. 
Um, no, world championship. World champion swimmer. Yeah. But you've you've won a lot of medals yourself too, right? I've like done. You have. Uh, you've had a ton of uh, achievements under your belt. You've done like what eighteen gold medals in national masters champion. Yeah, that's yeah. masters though. Um, yeah. Although my times were good enough for finals in the senior nationals in some years, uh, but I just started swimming fast after my thirties. Like my my best fifty freestyle time was twenty five point nine before when I was twenty four years. That was my previous best, and then at thirty two I went at twenty five six or something. And then butterfly, which was the much like changed a lot. I was a twenty eight before, and I dropped down twenty six. On uh, that, the year I swam the twenty six, that would have made brought me to the finals of senior nationals, which is a real like um, proper racing in India. But I did mostly did masters. So I'm okay. I'm 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 not a bad swimmer. I'm a I'm a fast swimmer. <laughs> Yeah, why why not compete here in uh, in India? I am itching to. I have some shoulder injury that I'm working on. I might I might uh, get back into racing soon if it actually. So earlier, uh, so you you teach uh, you teach swimming to a lot of coaches from uh, the farm from Varanasi. Yeah, we I mean we have a resident coaches um, staycation, I guess. Okay, uh, what is that? All stay- during corona we are all staying together and we are actually motivating each other by having meetings often and uh, we present some topic to each other there are a lot of crazy stuff out there um like the recent one we were talking about is the the mammalian dive reflex if you guys haven't heard of it okay, please no, never do you, could you elaborate on that oh man that's, i just spoke about the guy who um the free diver free diver right yeah, okay. so when, when you bought it see um this is my tagline, okay, not tagline. This is a line I like. Okay, I would use it again and again in social media or when I'm talking to people. Um, that is, higher the consequences, greater the results. Okay, so when you are pushed to the limit, that's when you're chased by a tiger. That's when you run the fastest, right? Why do we? Why do these Olympic athletes train every day to be better, right? It's just that more they can push more milestones they can reach in their microcycles, more the faster they can go, improve and go. So, like, you got to push it on the edge. The reason why action and adventure sports people are performing so better so fast is there's no correlation between pro sport athletes improving and then action and adventure people, they're, like, going like that. So, studies been done on that. So, it's the flow state. So, when you get on a flow state um, in your diet, you completely let go have no um, no fear or no doubt, no self-doubt, then the body can do amazing things. So one such thing is when you're pushing your body to the limit underwater diving deep, uh, the nitrogen buildup, um, the chemical compounds that build up triggers a reaction in your spleen that it just squeezes out. Spleen is, spleen is the one which um, has all your the good stuff, right? Like your... Uh, uh, red blood blood muscle uh, cells and the ones which actually carry oxygen and stuff. Mm. So it squeezes itself, um, releasing more good stuff to your blood, which can make you superhuman. And that's what's happening. Uh, so like, yeah, we keep talking about these kind of things, new things. Uh, and we connected with some really good uh, guys from Bangalore. Uh, this guy's called Invictus Performance Labs. You should check them out too. And yeah, it's fun. So when we do that, um, we also go and 
you know, swim together and you know, do workouts together and stuff. So it's fun. Let's and are you are you also a free driver? You try you no, free dive when you no, can. I wouldn't call myself aspiring. Yeah, there you go. Aspiring, aspiring free diver. Yeah, I'm probably gonna puffer it uh, five, five meters or ten meters now. How long? How long do you hold your breath for? How long can you? I mean, it's different outside the water. Outside the water, I've uh, touched four minutes, a couple of times, three thirty, pretty much all the time. It takes some time, about eleven minutes to reach that stage, and then um, in the water, about two thirty, I think. Which is nothing. Why, why is that different? Why is like why is it different from? Uh, <laughs> I think it's comfort, right? So. Uh, I'm trying to let go underwater, but it's still some part of me still has that doubt that, hey, um, I used to be claustrophobic big time. I couldn't get on an MRI machine. Oh, <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. I can get under anything. Yes, not anymore. Yeah, I, I, I imagine you have to help people overcome a fear a lot. As in, um, okay, so for example, when... when uh, people come to your farm when children come to your farm do you do you promise that all of them will become uh, excellent swimmers or the, there might be some that don't do it too right uh, surprisingly not unless the the ones who have come um, hitting the limit so what we do we do not focus on developing just the strength okay so we work on this thing called fabzum so it's it's agility mobility stability flexibility and body control and when you work on these five things with various again that goes into sub different um, types of trainings and then uh, all these gets you um, prepared to do an excellent um, stroke mechanics okay so the stroke mechanics is very important like remember designing the aeroplane that I was interested yeah. in um, so our team is really good in this uh, it's coach Nirup, coach Tikshit Coach Rohit, and then the tissue, and we had Abhijit, uh, Lokesh, a bunch of guys who come and um, just mold these uh, kids' their technique. Okay, so we have a device where they put it on their head, and it's underwater thing. And while they're swimming on a walkie-talkie, we can just tell them, okay, arms going a little bit left. You want a couple of degrees, right? And these kids, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something crazy also later on. Um, these kids are Go so ahead, smart. They, they, uh, they're so smart. We have no idea about um, young generation, okay? There might be a secret society of 10-year-olds <laughs> already. <laughs> Anyways, they're so good that we can tell them in degrees and they correct it. And they interact with you so well uh, in the water. So we just tell them. So um, when you do that work on that stroke mechanics, um you will get faster because your efficiency is better. You're cutting through to the water and you're using less energy. And so that's the easiest way to make a uh, swimmer fast on the long term. So we're not going to get straightaway results. Uh, it is about five to six years. And then when the result comes, it's it's pretty much um, out there. So you're starting off these kids younger, younger. building their uh, endurance yeah. towards yeah. So we have test sets to... Um, knock these boxes okay so I can promise you that everybody who comes uh, and does the camp will um, tick those boxes when they're going okay so okay. that's their aim it's what, not what are the top three right what are the top three boxes that you look at being ticked off um, so it's five I mentioned that okay. five different things just now okay. uh, the, the agility should increase so 
Um, there are certain test sets that we do for agility. One simple thing would be a scale will be dropped, like you will be holding your hand like that. A scale will be dropped and someone else is going to drop the scale. And as soon as it drops, you've got to clinch and hold right underneath it. So your reaction time will measure whether it's 2 mm or 5 mm or 6 mm, which uh, you've let go of. So that's, that's crazy. That's that interesting. So like that getting better, I know that his swimming will get faster when he's or she's, uh, you know, gets that maturity in the body. But she has all the tools that she needs to do the perfect technique right now. Because um, if we develop speed on the technique that the, the swimmers have in the younger age, that technique is going to change as the, the body shape changes. They are growing, right? So as the grow, when the weight comes on, when the size enlarges, the technique needs to be done over there is entirely different. It's not the same as what they're swimming right now as a young, young athletes. So if you develop the tools which allows them to control their arms in the way we instruct, you know, um, then you are the coach is a stroke mechanics coach from outside is an architect of the plane. Okay. You, you, you expose, you uh, understand you expose these kids as the tools that you were talking about. You expose these kids to different art forms or different uh, other endeavors to sort of uh, un help them understand their body. Yeah, physical literacy. Physical yeah, literacy. Okay. I call it education. It's physical literacy. Um, it's more you, it's the motor cortex in our brain, right? It sparks, it needs to. Um, okay, so our body is like a skeletal structure and muscles go through it. It's literally like a puppet. So muscles are the strings that gets pulled um, and the puppet moves the hand. So same way our skeletal structure is like that and the muscles contract, uh, holds or relaxes to give that movement. And this movement is controlled with your brain. It's a motor cortex. It gives you that certain command for me to take this thing and put it in my mouth and drink, like a water right. bottle, right? Um, so it's the, the actions happening in your brain. But when, the, when it goes to your muscle memory, when you've learned all the skills that you use in your every day, your brain stops functioning in that part because it's not required. It's in muscle memory, okay? It's repetitive. That's why you need to do new things pretty much every uh, year or every day so that you're keeping that part, brain part active. You're firing those neurons. More firing of neurons happens, bigger the brain becomes because it's a muscle. Just like your biceps, if you keep working on it, it gets bigger. So um, physical literacy is very important, which we are missing out big time. Uh, but uh, yeah, we are all about physical literacy. Uh, and at the same time, uh, in the camp, they also go through um sustainable living community living and uh like trying to do innovations and stuff they have a lot of the quizzes going on awesome. so cooperative skills you 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 develop it's like a whole a wholesome development of a of a child in some sense yeah yeah so our um what our mission is like building champions and creating sustainable communities through them like there you go whoa shit that's crazy. That's a big aim. And you're doing it out in the middle of nowhere where uh, very few people know about it. Oh, no, it's the middle of everywhere. <laughs> it is. Uh... No, it's, I think it's situated well. Can you, do, you see this, do you see this sort of culture moving towards, uh, moving into cities? Um, it'll take time because the younger generation, um, and I hung out with the 11-year-olds, 10, 11, 12 year olds, and the way they're talking, I said, I'll, I'll have a surprise for you. I'm not even sure if I should mention it here. 
but uh, they are so smart that you have no idea how smart they are. You have no idea, especially in the world which is heading more um, digital. Okay, you see. <laughs> All right, so you know, I'm I'm a big time um, uh, talk about climate change and stuff, right? and um, because I have this brain which just keeps thinking, okay, what happens? This leads to another thing, and you know, you construct right. So when you construct, I kind of see now, okay, the planet's gonna become. Um, you know, there's more and more cyclones happening or whatever. Have you seen the uh, movie, uh, the series Loki? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In yeah, that the different he, timelines. Yeah, then the timeline, they show the 2050 timeline, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cyclone happening, everything. So by then, it's going to be like 50 cyclones or something every year. So you have to live through that. And right. um, mostly you'll be inside and we have the neural link developed. You know, you have the, which is, you know, you can talk back to the computer. And, you know, like, I'm just thinking about it. How, how, does, how does all of that tie into uh, Partha as, yeah. a, as a person? Of me, I grew up with the dream, recurring dream of uh, building, I don't know that it was a spaceship or some place where um, all, you know, like the Nova's Ark kind of thing. But it was are, you, are you manufacturing super soldiers in that farm of yours? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure you have a secret bunker. <laughs> no, the the farm itself is the, 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 the secret. It's, it's quite open. I'm sure at some point Hitler said the has said those words. We need super. <laughs> you, we need we need to create super children who are no, just to just to survive the um, the water world, man. Survive the elements. Survive the elements. Yeah, yeah. This is. I mean, I think what you're doing is amazing. Uh, as a as somebody, I mean, I grew up in boarding school too. But uh, for the, till till about sixth grade, I was in uh, I was in school in uh, in the city, so it, it was and and from seventh to tenth, I'm in boarding school, and it was two completely different experiences. One was in the city, and one was out in the middle of nowhere, right? And uh, the like, in some sense, how I realized how in in boarding school, how I realized how unprepared I was for uh, like life outside a city, and uh, I I mean. I think those are skills. I I I learned, I learned skills there that uh, are absolutely essential to, uh, you know, growing up in a in a wholesome way. And uh, I think I think what your camp is trying to do is sort of capture that. I mean, and study the science behind it and manufacture it so that anybody can have that experience. And uh, that's great. I think I think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I think the four pillars of the, the camp is one is uh, aquatic education, of course, uh, safety and all that. And then there is um, creative learning. And then they do we do physical literacy stuff. And then community living. So, um, yeah, I think it's kind of what they actually need for the future, which is coming. So you're, you're not just doing, uh, you're not just a swim coach, right? You're definitely not just a oh, swim instructor and aquatic education. Molecular biology yeah. is the thing, dude. Right. Yeah, but apart from that, you're a farmer as well, right? Yeah, sustainable farmer. Yeah. Sustainable farming, okay. Sustainable farmer. It's a huge difference. You know, farming contributes for, agriculture contributes for the 20% of climate change, uh, global emissions. But a lot of that is poultry too, right? Or is that just yeah. agriculture? Yeah. agriculture. It takes a huge part, but also the fertilizer, no? when you manufacture fertilizers, the amount of footprint it comes with and then how it destroys the soil. 
see when you calculate footprint it's just not direct it's not just the emissions right it's about right, right, right. The, the, the things which leads to drop off um yeah yeah we studied about this in in school in schools like farmers would use uh, uh pesticides ddt yeah. and stuff and uh, it would it would go it would go into the fishes and the fish populations there and then the whole whole ecosystem is uh turned on its head yeah it's already happened so yeah that's crazy i mean i read yes i read the other day that 70% of aquatic life like in the oceans is uh almost dead yeah, yeah. It's scary. but then but, but like if you think about it we haven't even explored so much of the ocean can we really tell how many like what the population might be Uh, the aquatic life is on top of the ocean they've they've explored the top of the ocean hey bro there's there's so much below, below the ocean so much, yeah, there's so much life uh, happening below as well there might be aliens down there who knows <laughs> atlantis dude mickey mickey is a big atlantis fan <laughs> so uh, like uh, how how different is uh, normal farming from sustainable farming okay So the main thing is um we got to see what the plants need right so the plants to survive they need sunlight um oxygen carbon dioxide and water that's the main nutrient requirements and then 5% is the nutrients uh, nitrogen phosphorus and uh, potash so what's happening is uh, for thousands of or millions of years uh, the cycle was happening a uh, leaf would fall off a uh, fruit would fall off it gets eaten by animals they die decay and then the whole cycle would happen for this cycle to happen there are microbiome like microorganisms in the soil just like our gut uh, there is gut bacteria if you mess up your gut bacteria you do you have loose yeah. motions right so same way the soil has this microbiome um which assists that movement of uh, the whole life but when we put chemical fertilizers um for example nitrogen okay so nitrogen is at 2% at the soil saturation limit is 2% but the, the fertilizer we use is 21% 27% that high so that's not so it's not solubilized in uh, soluble in the soil so it gets leached out when it leaches out it kills all the microorganisms macroorganisms this life is gone so you're so just killing basically the, the land is the soil is dead um so this is leading into more it serves the purpose in the short run right yeah there is definitely profit in the short term for sure but i mean short term is like very short term and uh, you know we live sustainable farming is sustainable that's why sustainable. so what we do is we use the microorganisms we kind of um take them there are good ones bad ones ugly ones okay so what we do is we kind of take the good ones out we kind of repopulate them and reintroduce them so we still being um manipulated i'm not saying we're like all saints but we're using the nature and kind of using the nature to go along you know you basically enemy of your enemy is your friends so if there is a pest coming in we invite their um you know the ones which don't the predator like the predators right so that's crazy they are saying you 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 bring a frog in to get rid of like totally uh, in micro level so there totally. is a pest called phytophthora which causes the root rot disease in the plantation over here which is responsible for 70% of the crop cross lop in a single year sometimes even 80% So what we do is we have identified an organism not we have like the, the world have humans have um a trichoderma harzianum it's another fungus which eats on this pest it eats uh, feeds on phytophthora uh, it doesn't let the phytophthora come off but it helps the plant it's a symbiotic with the plant producing a hormone endolytic acid 
Um, so then you're inviting these good guys and we're re-inoculating them into the uh, our farm. So we run a research center called the uh, Varanasi Research Development and Research Center, which is a DSIO recognized microbiology lab. My parents run it. Uh, so we produce uh, or we basically increase the colonies of these good microbes over there and then give it to the farmers. So if instead of using um, pesticides, if they inoculate their farm with organic manure and on top of that, these microbes, um, they have more sustainable farming happening. So we do not use any chemicals in our farm, no pesticides, nothing. That's that's crazy. It's crazy that you mentioned fungi. I just watched this series called Fantastic Fungi. They're crazy. And uh, oh my God, Paul Stamets, such a legend. It's uh, it's such a good series. It, it just talks about how essential, uh, fu- how essential fungus can be to um i mean to a hu- like to a human and uh, yeah i mean exactly what you said the enemy of your enemy is your is your friend right. so that's what essentially that's what penicillin is too right absolutely yeah yeah so if you use all those technology microbiology in uh, farming organic farming you get good results too and it's more sustainable do, so, do you see anything different in the swimmers because uh, of the food they eat yeah, I mean, I, um, so they go vegetarian. So most of the swimmers who come here are typically coming from a heavy meat eating background and suddenly they go vegetarian. They lose a lot of weight. Um, people kind of get alarmed by it, but their power to weight ratio increases. Their endurance um, increases. Their uh, MLS is maximum lactate steady state, which is like where you can hold your ma- max power for a longer time increases. Uh, and the recovery rate increases. They don't get injuries. Um, and then, yeah, that these are the main things that we see in the farm. Uh, but the thing is, when they're not consuming meat, they're not getting all this um, amino acids in in a pack. Meat is like a supermarket of uh, proteins. Uh, yeah. You know, like they eat the... Because their muscle structure and our muscle structure are similar. They use the same components um, of amino acids. Profiles, right? Okay, that's brilliant. So, so what's uh, what's what's the uh, what what does it look like uh, now for uh, Varanasi Farms? What's like what what if what is in the future apart from uh, sustainable I, uh, farming and and swimming? I mean, the dream was to have an academy uh, where we keep training kids. Uh, in that, that's what the our mission kind of stays: uh, building champions to create sustainable communities. So talk about um, one high performance in human things. So swimming will continue. The second thing is life-saving. That's something I haven't spoken about. Um, so life-saving sports is also heading into the Olympics and also it's required. It's the most humanitarian sport. So there is world championships on life-saving. So we have sent our athletes to that. And we also Thank want you. to train the kids. I'm, I'm, not very, I'm not very sure about life-saving. Could you, could you elaborate on that a little bit? Okay, um, so most of the drowning happens uh, because people do not know how to swim and it happens in the aquatic bodies, which is sea, your um, rivers, um, your thing. You know, basically, it's related to swimming. So there is an international life-saving association which is formed uh, in conjunction with the WHO and each countries have um, an, a federation which um, teaches uh, uh, people in life-saving. Okay, I mean... It's basically, have you seen the uh, thing Baywatch? Okay. So are you training? Baywatch without glamour. 
Oh, okay. So no slow mo running in bikinis. Yeah, ah. Bring some glamour into that. Bring some glamour into that shit, dude. I'll drown every day. We <laughs> <laughs> will totally bring that. I think it'll have to come. I don't know. But um, so basically, teaching the kids how to see, swim in the sea, how to identify a rip or somebody who's going in a flood in a river, how to rescue them. So we simulate games around them. So there's a championship where. Uh, people have to simulate that if they're drowning and uh, we go and uh, get them and that time is recorded for your uh, medals so that sport is also heading into the olympics so we train them um, we have we have we have a national federation for that and uh, we train so that's also another thing so we teach them in um, life life skills life safety aquatic education um, education through uh, nature connect and um, applied more applied method um and then uh, community living yeah so this is so we also have the volunteering program i don't know if you guys know about it okay yeah, about it come and stay in the farm for 21 days uh, you have to work for 6 hours like it's heavy duty work um and then there is like some presentations at the end of it um or in the beginning in between to do sustainable farming so yeah we keen to promote what we know um the knowledge and how how different is sustainable farming from uh, taking care of a garden you can take care of your garden sustainably too it's at all levels like it's not doesn't have to be like 10 acres or 5 acres or 1 acre or like your backyard what, what does that be like take your wet waste and uh, recycle it uh, yeah, compost so it and yeah you need to make sure that uh, the the organisms which are required for breaking down down those things are existing they are already existing in the, like in our farm and all it's a lot it might be a little less in bangalore so you might have to bring it and introduce there the second thing is uh the whatever consume which is coming out of your uh, house should be shouldn't have uh, chemicals which these guys don't like you know so make sure there's no processed items usually processed items have uh, microbial inhibitor that's why it's processed right Yeah, that'd be that'd be useful to have like a guide on on the on how to do organic farming. It should probably be right on how to do organic farming. Do you have like a do you have like a, a channel that you know people can follow? Uh, just to learn about organic farming. I mean, sustainable farming. Yeah, I could do that, or I could just do go jump off cliffs and. I'm sorry. Are you big on cliff diving? I yeah love cliff diving. Uh, there is an Instagram page Indian cliff diver. Please follow. Yeah, yeah. It has 190 followers. <laughs> I have seen that page. I think uh, one of our one of my one of our friends that we know of uh, follows them and I got they were really intense. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. see cliff diving in India. Yeah. I mean I've seen I've seen videos of people jumping into the Ganges and all but <laughs> Yeah. So we I think we started trending hashtag Indian cliff diving and made that page. Really? Uh, what what kind of message do you would you have to like parents that send their children to conventional schools? Just that are not um, Look, I about if you ask me this question before the camp, I would say that uh, hey, you guys really need to open up on uh, this education bit. You have to like you know give them. the freedom to think by themselves and all that um but i'm not going to bullshit after spending time with the, the kids in this camp um i will tell that they got their stuff sorted out just don't be too surprised when you really find out uh, how capable they are 
and what level they are in so that's all i that's have that sounds like a tease what do you mean like uh... <laughs> oh man they are um kids are incredible like i just i really think that we you're telling me now now you know what i'm hearing is uh, take my word these kids are amazing these kids but, are the future yeah these kids yeah. are the future. And, and i and i believe you but somebody listening i'm just uh, i'm i'm wondering if you uh, if you can you know encapsulate that no i really want to collaborate see what happens uh, when parents don't like the thing the way the kid is thinking okay so i i used like to hang out with younger people that it was like time traveling okay so you're seeing the world in their perspective when they're talking having conversations right um that's like they've lived a different timeline than we did so it's literally the experiences have been different uh, the experiences mold us of what we are like whatever i say today is because of the experience that i had and same with you guys so um if the older generation can actually relate these to these guys and understand there is civilization flourishing right uh, that's how humans have done all this because we come together and um collaborate but if there is the gap is there you don't understand your child um then there is no collaboration happening there is no progress happening so the, i would tell the parents that they have super open mind and see uh, how they are seeing the world so listen a lot uh, listen a lot okay and then uh, communicate I, i think some some of the open mind parents would say uh, so i think my child has the best opportunity if he goes if he or she goes to this school and uh, gets a, i mean finishes 10th finishes 12th and like has finishes conventional degrees and works himself up to an engineer whatever i think he he he'll have his best shot at a happy life we are uh, yeah absolutely yeah what would you say, what do you like say to that <laughs> i mean we all had that i mean we came through that and uh, i really think they should find out uh, the kids should find out give them so like push them through a curriculum where it's uh, open a lot like you know there is that um, j krishnamurthy schools um, in bangalore that cfl is there i don't know there might be more schools creative schools i don't know um, i'm not talking any, about any school here but there are the ones which gives them more opportunity to see the world uh, and seek what they like not streamline into them into a into a factory how, how important is that why is that important because we all are um we all have capacities in different things okay so when you you first thing is you need to identify what your kid really likes doing okay so i'm talking about high performance right if you want to become a doctor you want to be the best doctor ever like you want to be a high performance dentist or a doctor for that you need to have that much curiosity in that subject like nothing will you know fathom your um quench for this uh, knowledge to get better at it right so you need to find out what the kid, and it's not the same for every person you know that will be all different and if uh, the parents are able to find out what the kids are they like and if they have not all parents have this if they have the opportunity to support the kid in that direction i think they're winners they um yeah the family is a winner for sure so that's important for parents i think if it makes it makes sense yeah no uh, i have uh, last question for me like what what what's a winner child a winner child is basically the one who's doing what they love doing at high performance like they've reached the, i mean they they're getting they're not getting satisfied they're going more uh, for that 
fun stuff, but they have to have fun. So it's their focus doesn't get drifted into other things in the, in the world. They just like focused on one thing and they keep exploring um, that path um, as long as they're loving it. Like if they're not loving it, they can definitely jump into another thing and explore, but they should have that freedom to do that. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you, man. Uh, uh, thank you so much for, uh, you know, spending t- this time explaining all of this to us. It was so interesting, really interesting to hear your thoughts um, on on swimming, on sustainable farming. I just want to see, uh, how can people hit you up? Uh, where can they hit you up? How can we come volunteer at the farm or uh, maybe come take a couple of uh, swimming classes so we don't drown? Or, yeah. or some parents that want to sign up, sign their kids up. For yeah, for sure. We are open. Uh, there are COVID protocols and stuff like you know, you have RT PCR negative testing, and you have to come from setting that you have a quarantine time and all that. But um, it's um, you got to visit our website. That's varanasi.com. Uh, it's not varanasi with the SI, SHI in the end. Um, varanasi.com, and then check the volunteer space there. If people want to volunteer, everything is given there. It's pretty uh, self clear. Uh, there's a lot of work involved. Um, we have to own. It's not uh, coming and chilling and running a sheep farm thing. And uh, the previous volunteer would know about it. Um, the other yeah. option is the camps. We do um, fitness camps. It's basically a stay like farm stays basically. But we have our routines going on every day, and people to join that. Um, so that kind of camps. And is is that a, is that a website? The website and the Instagram handle. Yeah, we have the Varanashi Farms and I think my coach Partha has a bunch of stuff. Uh, it's it's more like a personal blog and it's turned out into something else maybe now. Uh, but I just want to record all my flips and stuff. That's all in that. That's great, man. That's um, great. Awesome. But so yeah, I, I do respond in that. Um, so, so, uh, people... so send an email to us uh-huh. at uh, if you're volunteering, send an uh, email to us on um, varanashi.workaway at gmail.com so that's varanashi.workaway at gmail.com um, awesome so people can hit up uh, Coach Partha on his Instagram page that's Coach Partha and also check out Varanashi Farms uh, they got some pretty interesting stuff leave us a comment down below and let us know what you think thank you so much for tuning in and thank you guys thank it's you. been a pleasure Partha thanks for t- taking the time Thank you. Cheers. Yeah, Bohemian Pursuits Podcast. So tune in, listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. You can catch us there. See y'all. Cheers.